get that feeling. I need hexual ceiling. <laughs> Good morning, sweet world, and welcome to the No Dogs Podcast on the Athletic Network. It's Thursday, April 20th, 2023. Happy Weed Day. I'm J.E. Skeets, here in the Classic Factory, and alongside me, as always, that's Tess Mellis. Thanks for reminding me, Skeets. I totally <laughs> forgot about Weed Day. <laughs> Next to him, I know he didn't forget, it's the bearded woman, Matasha Hot Boy, Trey Kirby. Hey-o. Hey-o. Say it again for the mic. Hey-o. Okay, I'm not hearing it. Am I crazy? No, no, no. Uh, hey, hey. Hey, oh. There we go. And over yonder. <laughs> He's celebrating early. <laughs> Producing this bad boy. We got two of them over there. It's Ash and JD. How y'all doing? This oh, man yeah. is greened up. Yeah, man. I thought you were a Hawks fan. What the hell? What are you talking about? Jesus, Hawks fan? You got Hawks season tickets. <laughs> no, you're right. I'll be in Hawks gear on Friday. I'll be at the Fortress. <laughs> Fair enough. Uh, shout out to the stream team. Joining us live on YouTube. Like the vid, comment away, subscribe to No Dunks. Get your No Dunks merch over at NoDunks.com. And if you're a Survivor fan, there was one of those episodes last night. So we'll be breaking it down on No Buffs, recapping episode eight. Fun one to talk about. As we get back into the groove of things uh, with me coming back here, that'll be at 1 p.m. Eastern over at the No Buffs YouTube page and obviously gets turned around into a podcast on podcast feed. Search for No Buffs Survivor 44. But we got games to talk about. You guys did a great job holding down the fort. You guys had some lengthy shows. <laughs> Holy moly. How mo- do you do it, man? <laughs> How do you keep the time in your head while you're getting the takes out of your mouth? I know, man. I know. It's they were great. Mode. It's playoff mode. Yeah. yeah it's playoff the mode. Monday wasn't Excited. surprising. I think the Tuesday was still a real <laughs> Nobody was expecting one. Oh, that's a chunky 100. Yeah. We've got to respect on the Kings. No one's just talked about the Kings for 16 years in the playoffs. They get an extra 40 <laughs> minutes. Good point. Good point. Uh, but good stuff. I really enjoyed those. I caught all of Wednesdays and then a few there, uh, 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 bits and pieces of oh, uh, Mondays Thanks. and Tuesdays. Yeah. Your marathon was too quick to catch any. Yeah, no, no. Slowed down there, didn't I? <laughs> yeah, we were tracking. <laughs> Turns out Boston Marathon's tough. <laughs> Not easy. Thought I could win it. But uh, yeah, I had some crazy weather. I don't know if you saw the uh, one clip I shared where the torrential downpour at the end. That was fun. Were your feet wet? <laughs> oh, God, yeah. It was raining at the start of the race. I got a black second toe. Just completely black nail. Looked like I painted it. It's quite painful. But I had a blast, and shout out to all the uh, volunteers and spectators and everybody, all the race officials. It it is so much fun. If you ever get a chance to go see it, even, uh, to take in the elite runners, men's and women's, you should. Just try and pick a year where it doesn't rain. (laughs) I thought you were going to say if you ever have a chance to go run it. Well, go do it. And I was like, oh, oh, I don't think I'll ever have that chance. The older you get, the easier it gets to qualify. And to run. I've noticed that. The older you get, you can run a lot faster. Yeah, you yeah. ran you ran way faster than Zdeno Chara. 6'7". I did see that. NHLer. That's ran pretty like impressive. 3, 337. That's I, not a bad time no. for a big, big dude. Well, yeah. he did it in skates. <laughs> That's right. very impressive. Uh, well, I'm pumped to be back. Uh, it was great to uh, just sit down in front of the television last night, watch a bunch of NBA games, <laughs> and then to sit here and fire off the takes with you guys. Were they the most exciting games? Eh, some of them were not, but this first one we'll start with. No John Morant, no problem. Grizzlies tied up with the Lakers. 1-1. One, one. What were your big takeaway from uh, this game at two here in Memphis? Well, it was funny. Uh, a lot of the comments in, in the games and, and post-game, a lot of chatter. I know we'll get to Dylan Brooks, but I thought this quote from Austin Reeves was the most telling of the game. He said, they were desperate and they played harder than us. End quote. 
straight up. That's what happened. Although at the beginning of the game, it did seem like the Lakers kind of had the Grizzlies number. They were up 5-4 at the beginning of the game, and that's when the Grizzlies turned it on. They started running faster than the Los Angeles Lakers. They just got out ahead of them. Bain started hitting shots, although his line isn't all that sexy. He had 10 first-quarter points to just you know, turn it when things didn't look all that good, when the Lakers were just in, in control a little bit, and they started beating the Lakers down the floor. Xavier Tillman hit a layup, then Bain hit a layup, then Tillman again hit a layup, and then Tillman stopped Davis and then scored on Davis. And if, if uh, you know, you go back and watch game one, the Lakers were actually outrunning the Grizzlies. That wasn't supposed to happen in this series. They won the fast break point battle by nine in the first game, and it was a lot closer in the second game. And if Tillman is beating you down the floor, Reeves' quote is exactly right. If Xavier Tillman, who's in there just to, to junk it up and do the little things, is beating you down the floor, they were working harder than them. They got out to that third quarter lead. Dylan Brooks did some trash talking and all that, and that lead was just too big uh, for the Lakers to overcome because this was the Grizzlies' night. They hadn't lost two games in a row at home all season long, and they weren't going to let that happen. And they were outworked. Just back to, to Dylan Brooks, he sealed it in the fourth quarter. They're up eight. But Tillman got the offensive rebound. That man had 22 points and 13 rebounds in that offensive rebound, his fifth of the night. He sent it out to Brooks for the three, made it 11, and it was over. That Tillman line, man, that is ridiculous. Yeah. Uh, and I'm not respecting, uh, disrespecting Xavier Tillman because X was my X factor coming into the series, yep. Xavier Tillman. But when he's outscoring Anthony Davis, um, something's wrong. Uh, I didn't expect him to outscore Anthony Davis once in in this series, but the fact that he uh, he did a good job on him, 22 points and AD had 13. Yeah, the Grizzlies just weren't going to lose this one, really. Uh, they, they did outwork the Lakers. And we know they're good, even if John Moran isn't playing. Over the last two years, I think their record's 27-8 and eight without their superstar in the lineup. So, you know, you've got Tyus Jones. I love the I love the pub he's getting here, and everybody's just like Locked in that he is the best backup point guard in the league. He's That's all anyone ever says about him. I know. Oh, I heard highest paid last, highest paid backup yeah, point guard they last did slip night. That didn't in. realize that. Yeah, uh, but he had a, you know a good game at least in San Antonio. I thought he had great uh, chemistry with Xavier Tillman, uh, the, the sort of two man game they had going. But everybody contributed. Uh, were you shocked though from this result, TK? No, not really, uh, because two major no dunks concepts came through for the teams here. Number one, Lakers slackitude. 100%. That's what happened. You heard it from basically everybody. You even heard it from Darvin Ham in the huddle when he's saying it's first to four, not first to one. Calling him out for saying, you're not giving the proper effort yeah. here. Five turnovers in the first quarter for the Lakers. This is going to be a series that is won and lost in transition. These are two of the best transition teams in the league, so you got to take care of the ball. But more importantly, guys being dudes. Even more so, Grizzby and dudes. They are very good at this. They're used to playing without jaw. They have a different look to the team. Tillman was great. John Conchar was great with the energy. Mm. Blocked Anthony Davis at the rim for dunks two times. Mm -hmm. Great effort from him. David Roddy was out there hitting threes. And then, when John Moran is off the court, it allows the Grizzlies to play more shooting. Kennard is on the, on the floor quite a bit. Bain is a great shooter as well. That's two tough guys to guard. You have Tillman set the screen. That means AD, it's pick your poison. Is he going to step out uh, onto a 45% three-point shooter? He kind of has to. And if he does, that's a roll for Tillman. So big shout-out to Tillman. A career high in points. Most rebounds he's had all season. That was probably even the bigger number uh, in this game, the way they were able to keep AD off the glass and dominate in, a, in an area that they usually do. It was great. Uh, Grizzlies' D was completely on point. I thought with three minutes left, they're up eight. The Lakers are trying to get back into it. They're... LA had just scored multiple points, just lobbing the ball 
into the inside, yeah. throwing it to the rim. It was either LeBron or AD catching it for an easy, easy layup. This time, though, they pressured the ball, made the pass impossible to get to AD, end up being a shot clock violation. Or I, I actually, it was a three-pointer for the Lakers, and this was a night that they could not hit threes. So great defense all night against Anthony Davis. Made it tough to catch. Then when he did, there was three or four guys just waiting for him, knowing that the Lakers couldn't do it from three. Yeah, AD and D'Angelo Russell combined to shoot 16 so, excuse me, six for 25. Uh, 18 points total between those two guys, AD and Russell, after uh, the great opener there in that series where they combined for 41. Yeah, they were just, they were all over AD. It's, it's true. They were just ready to throw multiple bodies at him. And he started the game off well defensively, blocking a couple times uh, early in that first quarter, but just didn't seem like they all had the legs uh, to battle this Grizzlies team that wasn't going to let it happen. I like that the Grizzlies had an answer at the end of the third quarter, too, because Rui sort of caught fire in the third. He was hitting some tough shots. They had cut that big, big Grizzlies lead. I think it was 20 at one point. It was down to a very reasonable uh, six-point score at that point. It was 73-67. But the Grizzlies finished that quarter on a 10-4 to run, and a lot of it was those three-pointers, like you said there, Trey. Kennard hit one off a dime from a big man. I think that one was Jaron Jackson Jr., and uh, David the Body Roddy, he hit one as well there off of uh, a Tillman, I believe, pass. So both coming from their big men. That was just like, you just need that little breathing room to get into that final quarter where they were still having to sort of stiff arm the Lakers uh, and LeBron trying to take over and get them back in it. But they did a great job of answering the inevitable Lakers run. And we've seen that in all these playoff games already. I mean, these big leads, and then the team comes back, and it's whether or not you can sort of sustain it uh, in the end, even if you sort of give back up that lead to get it back like we'll get to in the uh, Nuggets-Wolves game there. But that was a great answer, and, and we'll see here if John Morant plays now in Game 3. He was standing all game. It's like he had standing room only tickets. Maybe he got them cheap. <laughs> Didn't have a seat. Uh, but he had that weird sort of wrap there on his hand. And that was a big wrap. Yeah. Um, I would expect we'll see him at some point in this series, and it could be as, as early in Game 3 because I don't think they play for a bit. Yeah, that's totally true. Uh, I think if you you mentioned all those guys hitting shots and, and David Roddy and Kennard, the fact that Jaron Jackson Jr. came back to earth a little bit after his 31-point performance in Game 1, probably to be expected. But they won a game where Jaron Jackson Jr. scored 18 points and John Morant wasn't playing. That's the Grizzlies' MO. That's what, they, what they've done. So it's not totally surprising. There's always that discussion, which is the, the dumbest discussion in the world. Are they better without John Morant? In the regular season, they can win a lot of games without John Morant, but in, in a postseason matchup, if he if he doesn't play, then the Lakers are going to play. They have they have a higher ceiling. They're going to play better in Game Three, especially with what Dylan Brooks said. They are gonna <laughs> they're gonna have a big Saturday. That's just the way it is. We're gonna have a back and forth in this series. It should go long, uh, but I'm scared for the Grizzlies on Saturday. Because of mainly what Dylan Brooks uh, was saying within the game and then after the game? <laughs> yeah, a lot of it. A lot of it. The Lakers are going to bounce back. They're in front of their home, full home crowd for the first time in a long time in the playoffs uh, because of uh, COVID. So, yeah. And that guy, Dylan. <laughs> Come on, Dylan. I, I get it. On the floor. But he's poking the bear a little too much, I think. <laughs> That's what he does. I poke bears. Don't especially, stop now. Especially old ones. Yeah. yeah old bears. You're old. He even said, man, I would have loved to be able to guard him against Cleveland or Miami. This isn't hard enough for me. It's basically what Dylan Brooks is saying. Yep. 
And he's right. LeBron's never scored 40 on him. <laughs> yeah, that is not. the most yes. fascinating part of this. 40? That's the bar? Like, that's your that's good defensive effort? The bar. Like, don't get me wrong. Like, he obviously tries his ass off. Yeah. He, you know, he gives up a lot of height to LeBron, but he's he is strong and he and he won't back down. And he did a good job. Hit shots when he needed to. He loves to bark. Like, Dylan Brooks looked at this as a win because he sort of got under LeBron's skin enough that LeBron was you know, barking back to some extent. Like that to Brooks is like, got him. He talked trash to me. Yes, yes. And so now I've got him exactly where I want him. But then, yeah, <laughs> after the game, you know, poking the bear, uh, he hasn't scored 40 on me. Like, like, how much would you bet on LeBron scoring 40 in game three, in all honesty? I think the odds are probably like even. You yeah. Know, like, yeah, plus 105. <laughs> There's probably a line out so there. I think so too. Uh, the quote was, I don't care, he's old. <laughs> you know what I mean? And that had our Joe Varden, who covers, who's covered LeBron for a long time in the athletic Slack channel, just start typing away real quick saying, I have never heard this before in my decade of covering this. Somebody's got to get on. The, we got to write a story about this. Uh, and then he went on to say, I only respect guys that drop 40 on me. <laughs> and I wish I, I wish I I think that is the most <laughs> insane awesome. line I've ever heard. Why do you say that? 40 points Tats? like this is that's the bar. That's a 40's sh- the new 30. Oh my god. Come on. Come on. That's that's ridiculous to me. I love Ziller's idea though. If LeBron let's say scores 40 plus in game 3, a majority coming on Dylan Brooks head, will LeBron show up at post game uh, media availability with like a cane? Or a walker? Mm. Will he come in in a diaper? You know, what will he do? What old man move will LeBron do to really stick it to Dylan? He should uh, He should wear, like, gigantic baggy jeans and, like, that huge shirt, backwards hat, carry a PlayStation into a game, like that photo of him from his rookie season where he's, like, you know, he was a young man who still traveled with a PlayStation in between games. Yeah. He'd be like, hey, you wanted Cleveland, LeBron. You got him tonight, Dylan. Brings out his flip phone that he used to, <laughs> to, to take a photograph of WWE. Yeah, that could happen. He didn't, he didn't even start stop there he just went on and on he said i wish i guarded him when he was playing on cleveland and miami because that was the best lebron and he basically said uh if he wants to play the one-on-one battle or if he wants to be out on the sidelines shooting the basketball we'll see so he got specific this guy's just a three-point shooter he doesn't want to come in the lane there's going to be a lot of physicality right now lebron is getting ready for saturday that's just a yeah. call out for yeah. one of the greatest ever. Because Brooks is saying he believes he can sort of wear down LeBron over the course of the series because of his age. You know, all these little bumps here and there, try and get under his skin, get him flustered, get him mad, get him like obviously just shooting on the perimeter. That's that's Dylan Brooks, what he thinks he can pull off here. Yeah. That's the problem with uh, Dylan Brooks is that all Nobody the likes all, him? Well, <laughs> his teammates like him. Yeah, I mean yeah. the the bravado is is holding true. I think the problem with all of his outfits are is that he takes his shirt off, and LeBron has seen him with his shirt off, and we've seen LeBron with his shirt off, and there's a there's a muscularity discrepancy. I, I, th- I think LeBron is comfortable going against that bot. Is all I'm saying. Maybe instead of the PlayStation or the cane or anything, maybe he pulls up with the skateboard backwards red hat music band on his shirt that'll be a lebron like move music band and drops like a how do you do fellow kids or something like that when he shows up to the post game media availability that he's going to score 41 42 points he has to now dylan brooks (laughs) this is smart man now lebron has to score 40 points or dylan brooks wins yet again (laughs) if he doesn't score 40 i'm just like i don't care 
He's old. He can't get to 40. <laughs> Challenge him every single time. LeBron's taken twice as many threes as free throws so far yeah. in this series. Yep. yep. Well, he was going to have one game where he drives, and that game is game three, I imagine. Okay. Uh, any other notes from this one? Did you enjoy uh, Eagle dropping, uh, especially early when Desmond had it going, as many Bane references as he could? <laughs> as many <laughs> Batman good. references as he possibly could? He dropped like three in the span of like three minutes. He said, Mark Jones, you can't get all the shine. i got to drop some lines. <laughs> Uh, Eagle and Jackson are good combo. Real good combo. Yep. They're good for the playoffs. Anything else from this one, TK? Uh, stinker from D'Angelo Russell. Oh, yeah. He was brutal. Five points, two of 11 shooting. He had four assists and three turnovers. Afterwards, he says, I'm not a point guard. I'm a basketball player. <laughs> On this team, my role is not point guard. Sounds frustrated. <laughs> yeah. Kind of a guy you might not be playing next season. Mm. That's a that's certainly a question mark. Uh, I saw basically every Lakers fan responded to those quotes with Kyrie Irving coming to play point guard for LA next oh, season. Yeah. But uh, a solid game one for D'Angelo Russell, but just as bad in game two. Uh, almost unplayable. So we'll see how he fares in game three. Did anybody ask uh, Austin Reeves after the game about the basketball that they played with in game two. Did you see him during the game at one point? He's on the sidelines, and it, it appeared to me that Reeves is like, I can't control the ball tonight. It's like slippery or something like that. He made this motion of something with the ball, mm-hmm. uh, and I didn't see any uh, you know follow-up quotes on that, but uh, he was seemed to – he only had one turnover, but he, you know there were a couple instances there where – he just didn't have yeah. good control of it. I was wondering. I was like, oh, one of maybe a slick ball, that. cold ball. What's going on there? <laughs> but well, slick ball, cold ball. We saw a ball. Tiny re- things I noticed. We saw a ball replaced in game two of the Philly Nets series. Yeah, right? yeah, you're right. Yeah, there came through. Came over from the uh, scores table. Something was wrong with the, the primary ball. All right, all right. We'll keep an eye on that. Big win there from the Grizzlies. Obviously needed that one. Couldn't go down 2-0. Something like it's it's a crazy percentage of the road team taking the first two games where they go on to win the series. But one one going back to L.A. You said Saturday. Yes. Game one or game three. Excuse me. Game one in L.A. Uh, All right. Next game. This one probably won't take long. Bucks hit 25 threes, beat the Heat 138, 122. But no Giannis in this game. So no John Morant uh, for the Grizz. No Giannis for the Bucks. Both of those were sort of like last hour ish. Uh, yeah. Announcements. Yeah, I mean, yeah, you guys so. were definitely talking about, it, and I think a lot of people are like, everybody thought Giannis was going to play despite the back injury in Game One, but they elect to sit him, and in the end, it didn't matter because they hit a bunch of threes and they went to work inside as well. Yeah, no John Morant, not a surprise. No Tyler Hero, not a surprise. The Giannis one definitely was, uh, but it's nice when you can just rely on Brook Lopez. Twenty-five points for him, twelve of seventeen from the field on a night when uh, the Bucks hit twenty-five threes. Brook Lopez only took one three-pointer. It was a lot like. Uh, 2021 game five against the Hawks Giannis was out with his knee injury they just went to Brook time and time again and he was able to put the team on his back he scored 33 that night night, 25 obviously last night set the tone and then really like busted it open from the inside they were going crazy inside to the point where it just you had to collapse the three pointers were open for Milwaukee last night so you had some crazy shooting stats four threes for Drew four threes for Grayson Allen three for Portis two for Middleton six for Pat Connaughton didn't even play in game one yeah. dusted him off he looked great and five for Joe Ingles he even got a Javon Carter one in there just for just for laughs uh but yeah uh, 25 threes you're gonna win every playoff game if you make 25 threes yeah because that's the record they yes. tie they tied the playoff yes. record that's with good. 25 they own the regular season record with 29. <laughs> It's nice for the Bucks. Maybe that'll be, uh, yeah, on their resume one day. Um, the Heat, 
hit some shots. Uh, they stayed in the game, which is... 16 threes is not bad. Yeah, that's the thing that they can go back home with. 15 threes in the first game, 16 threes in the second game, even though it was a lot in, in garbage time yeah. when they came back. No doubt. They shot way more free throws than the Milwaukee Bucks. They hit more than half their shots against the Milwaukee Bucks. It's, it's a strange number. They shot 53%. They had 122 points. That's a big number against uh, the Milwaukee Bucks, but a lot of it was in garbage time and... Oh, yeah, Giannis Antetokounmpo didn't play. They were the they're eight and a half or nine-point favorites going into this game without Giannis Antetokounmpo. Yeah. That's how drastic this series is, the discrepancy between these two teams. And uh, the, the the Bucks feels like, uh, you know, it, when it comes down to fourth quarter minutes, the last few minutes, it's it's just hard It's just hard to beat these champs. <laughs> you saw it was, uh, it was a 12-point game, three minutes left. Um, Cody Zeller had the ball underneath, and Drew Holiday just ripped it from him. Just ripped it. Those are the plays uh, that you can get uh, really excited about as a Bucks fan. I mean, that looks like their championship team when when they just take it from guys. And yeah, they can they can they can morph. Uh, they are a chameleon. They say Giannis isn't out. All right, we're going to Brook down low. This is just a different team. And then Bobby Portis comes into the starting lineup and plays awesome. Yeah, thirteen uh, to fifteen great. for him. I mean, like it's like sort of the Grizzlies have the benefit of having Tyus Jones to at least slot in there when no John Morant. You know, the Bucks have Bobby Portis, who is fantastic, had an incredible season, obviously in the running for sixth man of the year. Uh, he slots in, gives him 13 and 15 in this game, and Drew Holiday was special too, 24 and 11. I like Shoe's point too, talking about the idea of the threes made. He said, on the surface, it's results like these from the first two games that look like exhibit A and B of the uh, it's a make or miss league argument. And the Bucks 25 three-pointers tied the playoff record, like you guys said. But they clearly did make an effort to like just play big, play through Brook. 52 points in the paint was their third most for Milwaukee in the 20 total games without Giannis this season. So that was a concentrated effort, and they went to him and Bobby doing work inside too. And yeah, that's a hell of a lot of threes to go with a bunch of points in the paint in a dominant victory. The score looks a lot closer. Than it was. I mean, one thirty-eight, one twenty-two. Oh, I know it's not even that close, but they were up like thirty plus. Yeah, the, I think the Heat eight threes in the fourth quarter. Mm. That's pretty crazy. Uh, but layup still the number one shot in basketball. Yeah. It turns out. Uh, best news from this game is that I think that's the last game the Bucks are playing with their blue floor. They've been playing on that since February. But I saw Dustin Godsey, uh, chief marketing marketing officer for the Bucks, tweeted that the standard court should be back and ready after games one and two. <laughs> Which is good. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Interesting. That's a weird court. Yeah. The more now that we've seen it for like two and a half months straight, it's so blue. <laughs> it is, is so blue. incredibly blue that they can't even paint the lanes. They're like, we can't add more blue in the lanes, so it makes it look very plain on the inside. I actually like the way the Bucks have incorporated blue into their color scheme, but not for this long. Mm. Just be a little tasty. Just taste. Yeah. Mm. Just a taste. Hey, do you like when you're watching these games now that we're into like the staggered times of the playoffs, the 40 games and 40 nights? Do you like when they tell you the score of the other game? You're watching TNT and you get the no. bug up in the top right hand corner, NBA TV score. You're nodding. I'm in. You said no. I wish I could turn that score off. I, so do I. I'd love that I had an option. Because <laughs> yeah. sometimes, sometimes maybe. for the sickos, you may want to be like, we're going to watch this game, maybe speed through it a bit. But on the other hand, when it's a 30-point blowout, you're like, oh, okay. Exactly right. Yeah, that's why that's I why I'm like, it. if yeah. I see the score bug up there and I see yeah. uh, whoever trailing by 30 points, I ain't tuning in on that. <laughs> and I think, thank you very much, because I'm going to, I don't care what the score is. If it's a close game, I'm like, cool, yeah. I'm watching that. Yeah, yeah. but uh, I like watching my games like I like my LaCroix. Pure. <laughs> I, I want to start the game feeling yeah. like it's yeah. a tie game like anyone can win this ball game even if it says like it did during that game uh that the other one was 
fifteen fifteen or whatever. Like, I, I just want to see that fifteen fifteen happen. <laughs> you know, an option would be cool. I mean, I'm sure it's coming because it comes on the NBA app. Yeah, you have that yeah. option on the NBA app. Whether it's on Apple TV, whether it's on your iOS, yeah. you do. That's uh, that's old school. You know, throwing the score up there. <laughs> Let's hear from people on that one. I feel like that might be a is that, that's like an is this good question right there. Might as well make that a poll. You like the bug, the score bug for the other <laughs> games currently going on? Are you a fan of that or not? Uh, final game last night. It was the late game. Jamal Murray scoring forty. Bubble Murray there, not in the bubble any longer. Nuggets beat the Wolves for the two zero lead, but this was a crazy game as I alluded to earlier, where Denver up huge. Monster third quarter from Anthony Edwards and the Wolves. They actually have the lead. And then in the end, Michael Porter Jr., Jamal Murray, Jokic taking care of business and uh, giving them the 2-0 lead. Thoughts on this wild one? Mm, do we do moral victories in the playoffs? No, but... Was there one? Uh, well, yeah, I think the Wolves in their 40-point third quarter was something. Because the Nuggets were still trying in that third quarter. It wasn't done-done, and they scored 40 points. That's a big number. Uh, they just, just <laughs> that is the, that is the lowest bar for a moral victory. One good quarter out of eight. Yeah, Dylan yeah, Brooks losing. is like they've the Wolves have never scored forty <laughs> points against my team in a quarter. <laughs> uh, yeah, yeah. This it's not a, it's not a moral victory for this series. They're not they're not winning anything. They can win a game mm-hmm. for sure, but maybe going forward that third point the third quarter where they scored forty with Towns out on the perimeter and Gobert. And Conley doing their thing, and Edwards also contributing with Rudy Gobert. It was a realization that you can't throw Carl uh, Anthony Towns in the block against Jokic against this Nuggets team. Pull him out, and so they understood. It took him six quarters to really realize that. But as soon as he's out of there, at least they were scoring. Anthony Edwards and Gobert were picking and rolling. Conley and Gobert were picking and rolling, and they had a, a decent quarter for the future. Maybe these guys can play together. They gave up everything for Rudy Gobert so I think that was something that's all you got really um trying to make a story out of this it was uh it was a, not only just like first half to, to second half but they were getting killed in, the, in like the first 18 minutes just the Nuggets running it down their throat it was 18-0 and fast break points through like the first 18 minutes of this game and then it turned out to be 18-16 in the end of it uh because the bench for the Nuggets um they destroyed the, the Wolves, really. Uh, so they came out of the third quarter at least with some something. But the Jamal Murray thing for the uh, the Nuggets where he took over is obviously a great sign. Yeah, first time uh, in a playoff game he scored 40 um, in, in front of his own In teams. actually Denver. Uh, in yes. front of fans is what I should say, yeah. And he now has more 40-point playoff games than he does regular season 40-point games. Jamal Ooh. Murray. He's 5-4, to four, which is pretty <laughs> wild. Yeah, that is pretty wild. But the Nuggets in the regular season are very much an everybody eats kind of team. But I think in the playoffs, you got to have a guy who can put the ball on the floor and score. So I'm not terribly surprised that Murray would have more points when you need your superstars to absolutely show up. And that to me is the story of this game. And the most important thing that happened long-term is that Jamal Murray looked incredible. Uh, All of last night, they're going to need him to be bubble Murray to have a chance at winning this championship here. And the way he looked yesterday is exactly, um, what they're looking for. It was awesome to see him and Edwards going shot for shot, yeah. basically down the stretch. So shout out to the Timberwolves actually making it close uh, in the third quarter, but the fourth quarter was 
just pick and roll mode for Denver. It was incredible the way they were able to slice him up. It was a big, big. It'd be Jokic and Gordon, and it was an alley-oop almost every single time because Carl Anthony Towns is just so slow as a defender. Then when they would go for a smaller, big pick and roll, it would be Murray or Michael Porter Jr. and Jokic, and then it's a wide-open jumper for uh, Murray or for MPJ because Gobert was in drop. It was just like anytime the Timberwolves seemed like they might actually be making it in a game in the fourth quarter – Run a pick and roll, and you're going to score. So very impressive uh, from Denver. And I thought a huge little run for Michael Porter Jr. to start the fourth quarter. He hit that four-point play on Torian Prince. He had a tough jelly in the lane. He hit a couple of free throws. They scored the first eight for Denver after Minnesota had that big uh, third. And he really turned the tide for him because then Murray and Jokic checked back in, and it was over. Yeah. Michael Porter Jr., we've said it before, he feels like – he feels like the X factor to the Nuggets, like championship Absolutely window. Like, he when, he, when he steps up, and he had a weird game, right? He had foul trouble, so he didn't have a lot of minutes. But huge in the fourth, thirteen of his sixteen coming in the in the final period. There, uh, fun ESPN stat. I'm sure you guys will get this right away. But second game in NBA history, in which opposing players had at least forty points and six three pointers in the same game. Can you tell me the other instance? You mean opposing players? Yeah. So we had Jamal Murray uh, and we had uh, uh, Anthony Edwards going for forty plus, uh, hitting six threes each. Jamal only happened one that's other right. time. Jamal versus Donovan. Donovan Mitchell. That's Donovan. right. Game six of the twenty twenty playoffs in the first round. This was a weird one. This was a, Aaron Gordon had a reverse tip dunk. Yeah, that was wild. The ball went off the rim. He caught it and reverse dunked it in that weird second quarter sequence where Chris Finch used his challenge. They won the challenge. But Denver still had the ball because Aaron Gordon was able to get the ball. And they had one second on the shot clock, and then they Jokic hits a three. So the challenge went all for naught, and then they reverse dunked it on their ass. So it went from 15 to 20 after winning the challenge. It was a weird, weird sequence. And then Wade gave it a nine it. on Twitter, I saw. Yeah. Oh. In the cube. Oh. Cube's coming back. I could not believe that. <laughs> I was so shocked. <laughs> what? The cube? Celebrity back? cube, though. That's Celebrity the Cube. Oh, okay. Yeah. Okay. That's nice. Yeah, they Shaq. got Mark Cuban in there? <laughs> I don't think so. Cuban in the Cube? They gotta get him. There's Shaq, I saw. There's, um, what's his wife's name? I'm drawing a blank right now. Hoops? Wait. Uh, no, oh, wait. Gabrielle oh, Gabrielle Union. Yeah, 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 yeah <laughs> Union. That's it. Uh, a couple other, um, celebrities a couple other celebrities in the TBS TNT world they got an impractical joker they gotta get one of those guys <laughs> Sal who's going in there Murph uh, anything else I got some weird notes game? on this one yeah. I think there was a fast break where Kyle Anderson outran Nikola Jokic that was like a steal I think it was when uh, Minnesota actually first took the lead that has to be the slowest fast break in history though there is like a great Chris Kamen Brad Miller one Got to do like a split screen of that. I got to go find. Got to go find that. That's well, sicko stuff. Kyle Anderson is involved in every slow fast break in history ever. There's another one where he's like walking up the floor. <laughs> oh yeah, but it's a fast break. He was sprinting away from Jokic. It looked like on this one. I was like, oh, that's how you make him look fast. Uh, the other ones. Um, a question for you, Skeets. Jokic had that really nice, uh, like a spin movie finish with his left hand, like a nice scoop. Yep. He ran back down the court, just grinning ear to yep, ear. Yep. I was wondering if that's more acceptable to you than showing your yes. left hand. Yes, yes. Just, just smiling. Well, I did again, good. I don't mind when you do it in a pickup run because, look, <laughs> uh, your left hand is not your strong hand. An working, NBA man. professional basketball player, when they hit a left-handed layup, does not need to be going, hey, look, I did it with my left hand. That's my personal opinion. Okay, fair they enough. They should be able fair to enough. do it. Fair enough. He is pretty uh, skilled. So I will take a grin. I will take a big <laughs> smile. Smiling, all good. Yeah. Uh, the other one, there was... 
a pass from the top of the key. Jokic caught it on the left block, just like a little tip pass to, I think it was Aaron Gordon. Yeah. And Grant Hill called him a center. Fair enough. <laughs> but he said he was a center setting up a volleyball spiker. First question, do you think he meant setter? Because <laughs> oh. <laughs> that was a set. Yeah, yeah, that's probably what he meant. But then he made a great joke. He said, sets it over to Karch Karai. Do you know Karch Karai? No. I think Karch Karai is the only volleyball player reference that men of a certain age know. My dad could name one volleyball Karch player. Karch Karai. He was like the most famous volleyball player in the 80s and 90s. I don't know why. How do you even spell that? <laughs> K-A-R-C-H. K-I-R-A-L-Y. Oh, He's a legend. Yeah. I've seen this guy. Yeah. <laughs> you know Karch Karai. You're yeah. a legend, Karch. <laughs> You're a legend, Karch. He somehow, he knows Judd Bushler somehow. They're, I think oh, they really? may have played together. <laughs> okay. All I'm saying is we need to update our volleyball player references. Mm. Let's go with Chase Budinger. It's perfect. Oh, Former yeah. NBA player. No, I know oh, the, 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 women, the American no. tandem, yeah. Misty May Trainer. Yeah. yeah. And Carrie the, Walsh, is yeah, that her go. name? Yeah. There you go. Yeah. Also They're acceptable. <laughs> also acceptable. My man Karch hasn't spiked for three decades, Grant. Just some Karch cry thoughts hey, for you it. out there. I Hope you're it. listening, Dad. Well, that's what they said on the broadcast. Spiro Dedes said on the broadcast that Jokic played volleyball in Serbia. Yes, he did. He <laughs> played a lot of sports. And I hadn't heard that one. Did he play volleyball like, while riding horses? And handball. We know that one. And water polo. I just made Is that, that for up. sure he played water polo? No. I thought it's been no. said. Really? Because he maybe he he's always, just getting because he always does up. this. Well, yeah, yeah, yeah. But I he, hold on. he always puts the ball over his hand like he's ready to throw it in the top corner of an Olympic game. Now I might be confusing. Dirk was a handball player, but I thought Jokic was too. <laughs> <laughs> he played all the sports. He matter. just played a lot of sports. Yeah. Uh, new rule, by the way. If you're like a two-time All NBA player, three-time All Star, that level, like where we consider you, like. You know, basically a borderline superstar, like a really, really, really great player. You got to stop having two straight up duds in a row in a playoff series. One, Mm -hmm. totally fine. Happens. You have a rough shooting night, bad whistle, you're frustrated. You start doing it multiple times already in your career where you string together two or three bad games. I'm talking about Carl Anthony Towns here. Oh, yeah, obviously. Like, it's. Then you. That's when. Then it's like, who gives a shit what you do in the regular season? It's like that's that the, the, those players don't that doesn't happen generally two or three games in a row and he's had two stinkers here and he did it last year against the Grizzlies I remember he had two brutal games foul trouble he was involved in there he got a tough call I get that last night but like these are now eleven point games in game one five of fifteen okay one of seven from deep in a twenty nine point blowout and then last night ten points three of twelve shooting five turnovers five fouls it's frustrating man he's getting outplayed by Aaron Gordon yeah. Quite obviously. Uh, I mean, it's hard to play with two bigs on the court. The guy also missed two months of the season yeah, um, yeah. to come in and try and get a rhythm, I think, is tough. But, yeah, uh, you can't be feeling encouraged by the way Carl Ta- Anthony Towns has showed up in this postseason and in last postseason. But, I don't know, give him the benefit of the doubt to finish out this year and try and figure out stuff, I suppose, next year alongside Gobert. Or... Like Kyle Anderson said, after Rudy Gobert punched him in the chest, you got some things to figure out this summer. Mm. I mean, I'm looking at it right now, his career playoff game log. And by the way, play-in games don't count. They're not even there on They're basketball reference. There. But uh, this will not be a shocker. When Carl Anthony Towns you know, scores less than 11 points in a playoff game, his team loses. 
The first two games against the Rockets back in 2018 when he first got his first taste of the playoffs, remember he scored eight points and then five points. They lost both those games. Last year against the Grizzlies, had a great game one. And then games two and three, he was pretty bad. Scored 15 in game two, only eight in game three. And then here we are in this series where they're down 2-0 after two bad games. I mean, they just need, like, <laughs> they need Carl Anthony Towns to have a, a decent game, let alone a good to great game. Yeah, I mean, I don't know. He's not really a post-up player. He's got no, post In this skills. series, he's got to get out. He's got to be at the three-point line. That's oh, he's they, not that's... faster than Aaron Gordon. That's a problem. Mm. He can't take him off the dribble. It doesn't matter. He just has to be outside the three-point line in this series. He's, he's, just, under, his, he's like his... 25% from three so far, so he's got a hit. Yeah, but he's just pulling him out, and that that's how, that's how they scored 40 points. The space, because, because he's out there. Up for Anthony, oh, yeah. For everybody, yeah. That's how they scored. He was been a, he's been a post player for six quarters, and then they said, "All right, bye bye, <laughs> get out, get out of the way, man." <laughs> I mean, he had a couple of good. Was the play in was good, even though those stats don't yeah, exist was. anywhere. Yeah. Um, but uh, yeah, playing with Gobert is different. Do you think the Wolves can win a game, Trey, uh, in Minnesota? They can take one off Denver, or this does this scream sweep to you? I think they can. I think they still have a chance to win a game in Minnesota. They had a great crowd last year in the playoffs and in the play in. Anthony Edwards, I think that's encouraging, the way he played last night, to see the comfort that he had uh, getting to his jumper, driving the lane, using his athleticism. So I think the, with him playing as well as he did and going home, yeah. they got a chance yeah. to pull one off here for sure. Yeah. All right, we're going to take our first break. When we come back, we got a bunch of news to talk about. Mike Brown winning Coach of the Year. Tommy Shepard, he's out of Washington. Do you even know what Tommy Shepard looks like? Yes. <laughs> I know you do, sicko, but a lot of you don't. We saw him in person. Uh, we'll talk about that and a whole lot more. Don't go anywhere. Yeah, you remember. <laughs> all right, if you're joining us live here on YouTube, we'd love to see it. Hit the like button. Hit the like button for all the boys being back together talking hoops here in the Classic Factory. Got some news items for you guys. First one, we knew this was coming. Mike Brown wins 2022-23 Coach of the Year Award. Unanimously, Tass. That was the real shocker here. That is a shocker. First time ever with this award. That is definitely a shocker. What the way voters think of it. I mean, they just have their own agendas. They they start thinking about other guys. A lot of good coaches out there. Right, right. This is surprising. They had their votes in just this past weekend, right? Uh, So I guess they maybe saw the Sacramento game one win. Maybe they got a few extra votes, whatever. He deserves every single one, whether it's unanimous or not. Michael Burton Brown uh, came into this season and obviously created an incredible locker room. Yeah. And even great story uh, on The Athletic about them getting ready for this series. Michael Burton Brown, Matthew Delvadova, and Harrison Barnes. Get all got up because they all have their own histories with the Golden State Warriors and and did their talking like he's he's done a he's done a good job whatever whatever he's done it's worked oh and yeah he's got a a superstar in De'Aaron Fox and and Sabonis it's incredible job man incredible job were you shocked at all by him getting all a hundred votes uh, yes and no yeah. shocking because it actually happened but also like why would you vote for somebody else yeah he's the clear co- uh, clear choice as coach of the year here. And I also think it's very funny that he's kind of doing the ultimate rope-a-dope as well. Michael Brown – I can't stop saying Michael Brown once somebody starts yeah. saying that. Mike Brown <laughs> coming in to the Kings was known as a defensive coach. He was like a defensive coach with the Warriors. When he was with the Cavs and Lakers, it was defense first. We'll figure out the offense later. Right. 
everybody's thinking, you're going to make this team better on defense. They're not. They're not much better at all. But they're good enough, and they're awesome on offense until Mike Brown meets his former team in the playoffs, and he pulls out every defensive card that he's had in his career for the past 30 years. Now they're looking like a great defensive team in the playoffs. So give him coach of the year. Um for the regular season and for at least the first two games of the playoffs. Yeah, not not shocking at all. Uh, 48-34, and 34, seventh best record in the league. Greatest offense we've ever seen when it comes to offensive Absolutely. rating. Best road record in the Western Conference. That's pretty special. They snapped that 16-year consecutive losing seasons, that playoff drought, and they won the division title. <coughs> Obviously in a tough division where there's a lot of good teams, uh, a lot of making them postseason. So kudos to Mike Brown. If your name is Mike you got a great chance of winning this award. Tell me more. A lot of mics. <laughs> D'Antoni? D'Antoni's won it twice. Okay, have at it. It's another current coach. There's another. Malone? No, he's never won. Never won it. It. He's next. Yeah, he's next. Lock it in. Mike Malone will eventually win this award. <laughs> uh, no, there's another current uh, coach, though. Mike. Budin. Budenholzer twice. Who's so we got Brown, D'Antoni, and Budenholzer twice. And then you guys, well, you guys can get, you'll get two of the three. But you're going to struggle with the last one because I didn't even know who he was. Uh, you, you guys, uh, you saw him iron his shirt from time to time. Fratello. <laughs> Mike Fratello back in the 80s. That's a great one. Uh, <laughs> think, did he win it with the Hawks? <laughs> Cavs? Uh, maybe the Hawks. Um, and then there's another one, you know. His son went on to play in the NBA. Mike. Who's a three-point shooter? White guy? Three-point shooting and white guy. Mike Legler? No. <laughs> Mike Price, <laughs> no. son Mark. Yeah, no, no, it's definitely no. the white yeah. whites I was thinking of as well. Yeah. Mike Hornacek. Well, what can I give you? Mike His Bird. Son went on to play. That's tough. That's tough when you go about it that way. His well, because you don't think of it. This guy shares a name with the governor of Alaska, Tass. I know you like you know your politics. The governor of Alaska. I can get there. I can or, get there. No. Uh, I don't know if he's current. Governor of Alaska. I don't know if he's current. <laughs> he's current. Uh. Mike Richards. Come on. Uh, man. MD. MD are the initials. Mike D'Antoni. No, the other uh, one. Mike. This was a junior. Dignalt. This was a junior in the NBA. Dunleavy. Mike Dunleavy, guys. Blazers coach uh, back in the 80s. That's a good one. And then yeah. the final one. I mean, <laughs> if you couldn't there. get that one, you're never getting this one. Because <laughs> I'd never even heard of this guy. I'm even just like looking him up. Um, do you know the name Mike Schuler? Oh, Heath Schuler's dad. <laughs> yeah, Mike Schuler won it uh, <laughs> also in the nice 80s. Nice 1987, rookie, rookie coach to win the rookie of the year. Who did he do it with? I want Mike Schuler, <laughs> yeah, yeah. Mike Schuler, he coached, uh, coached Blazers, also Blazers. Blazers. Yeah. Oh, it was yeah. unanimous. Anyway, congratulations to Mike Brown and congratulations in advance to Michael Malone. <laughs> uh, next piece of news here. This came out of nowhere. The Wizards fired GM Tommy Shepard after four seasons. Um, the Wizards themselves announced this one, TK, that he is out of there. And the, this is what uh, Wizards owner Ted, uh, Ted Leonsis said in a statement. Quote, a search for new leadership will begin immediately for an executive from outside the organization. That's sort of a key word there, outside, because they like to keep things internal. Yes, <laughs> yes, team. indeed. Yeah. I think it's uh, 2003 is the last time an executive was hired from outside the organization. Ernie Grunfeld was the man for the Wizards. Yeah, this one came out of nowhere, because I said Wes Unseld Jr. was on the medium hot seat. Wrong wizard, it turns out. Uh, but yeah, I mean, on one hand, I kind of feel like, is this Tommy Shepard's fault? It seemed to be that... Um, the directive from the front office is bring back our guys. 
keep Bradley Beal around at any cost necessary. They did that when uh, when Tommy Shepard came in. The Wizards were 25 and 47 his first season. Then they won 34 games, then 35, then 35. It ain't that much different. I mean, it ain't that much different, I suppose, is the problem. But yeah. is the goal to get back to the play-in tournament? Probably. That does seem a little bit like the goal right now. But I would say, everybody who's watching this, listening to this, get your trade machine ready. Because if you can come up with a good Bradley Beal trade, you might get hired as the Wizards GM. Oh. That seems to be what the main goal should be. Bradley Beal has a no-trade clause. The only way the Wizards get better is by trading him but you got to have the buy-in from Ted Leonsis to take a step back for a couple of seasons. Take a step back, but it's going to be sort of lateral if they trade Bradley Beal. How many more games are they going to lose? Really, if they get a package back, they could still be in the 30s. I think this is a good sign in that there's some accountability and that they're not going to just run back the exact same team and that they are thinking about something else rather than just bringing back the crew, rather than just giving Kuzma a big contract this offseason rather than just paying Porzingis after he comes off the books the following season. That just seems like the Wizards path, but maybe it's different. And I think that's a somewhat positive idea because it is just bring back our guys, bring back our guys and let's win 30 games. So a little positivity here. Yeah, it definitely raises questions about the future of Kuzma and Porzingis, especially Kuzma. They have his bird rights, so it does allow the Wizards to re-sign Kuzma, um, exceeding the salary cap and allowing him or allowing them to give him that fifth year, right? So other potential suitors, they're limited into signing Kuzma into cap space or sign a trade with the Wizards, can't get that fifth year. So we'll see what they do there. Porzingis, yeah, he's got the player option, right? Um, but it's huge. Uh, we'll see what he does with that decision. But they've just drafted like shit, too. That's the other part. I mean, is that Tommy Shepard? Is that the, I mean, that's his job. Yeah, I think he has the <laughs> ultimate final say. It hasn't been great. But a part of it is they're always in that weird middle ground. So it's not like they have a top three pick. 2019, Rui Hachimura. Okay, he's playing well for the Lakers right now. Back-to-back 20-point playoff games. He did not play well for the Wizards. Ninth pick in 19. Danny Avdia, ninth pick in 2020. Looks to be a fine player, but obviously not a franchise-altering player. Corey Kispert, 2021. He was the 15th pick. Good three-point shooter. Fantastic three-point shooter. But again has the appearance so far that he'll be just a very solid role player. And then, man, this 2022 pick, Johnny Davis, was one of the older guys drafted. He goes 10th. He played, what, at the end of the season? In meaningless games and played a couple good weeks, but otherwise he was probably most people's pick for, like, the biggest bust through the first, like, four months of the season. So that's just... That's not great. And again, like, you can find gems in those spots. We've seen it time and time again. Superstars picked in those ranges from, you know, 8 to 15, but... They went really 0 for 4, it appears, in in getting a player that you're like, oh, yeah, that's a building block right there. So that's not going to help your chances of sticking around. Totally. I do wonder if this is the end of Bradley Beal, though, with the Washington Wizards. It feels like part of him wants it. As he told our friends Josiah Johnson and Gilbert Arenas, you know, I had no option when I signed that contract. <laughs> yeah. That's, that's, it obviously doesn't uh, put a lot of confidence into the fan base mm-hmm. if they're going to read into that stuff. That was just this year. It goes every. It happens every year. So, yeah, maybe they're going to go in a different direction. They're going to call Masai and say, "Hey, you want to come down to Washington? We've we've tried that know, before. We've yeah. tried it before. Tim Connolly too. They they basically struck out on him. I think the first time and then yeah, that's settled a weird with one. Tommy that's Shepard. a weird one. The Connolly because he 
just went to Minnesota before this offseason, made the Rudy Gobert deal. Uh, I mean, he signed a huge deal to go to Minnesota, so I don't think that one's going to happen. Mm-hmm. Got an equity stake, I believe, in yeah, the French. Right. So, <laughs> yeah, he'll probably stay in Minnesota, but you could see if you wanted to leave. Make it, <laughs> trade another huge name. Why not? Yeah. <laughs> it just goes around Feel for Joe Bear. A redo. Sure. We, uh, we have heard from Woj, I believe it was, tweeting last night that, that Wes Unsell Jr., the coach of the Wizards, he's going to be good for at least one, season? one more season. Yeah. <laughs> But that's always a strange dynamic where, uh, in, in theory, a new GM comes in, and then you've got like sort of the uh, the old coach. Usually, a GM likes to bring in their own guy and like sort of like try and link up and build the team that way. But we'll see if uh, West gets a fair crack here, and, and all of these decisions, whoever this person is, uh, be it a big name, feels like that's where they really want to go, like someone very established. Uh, like you're throwing out Masai's and Tim Connolly and stuff like that outside, at least as we talked about, but. They're in a tough spot here. I guess you've got to just trade Bradley Beal and get worse. Yeah. But it's not like he's like taking them no. took him to one playoff series when they lost in five. They'd be trading for hope at least. <laughs> because otherwise they're yeah. a you know, they're a middling team. That's what's what's happening with Beal or without maybe they got it's like the reverse with Wes Ensel Jr. Dad played. He didn't play. Uh, it's the reverse of the Mike Dunleavy scenario. Maybe he's got to get Mike Dunleavy Jr. He's involved in basketball. Mm. Trajan Langdon, another name. Speaking of Alaska. Being thro- Speaking <laughs> yeah. of Alaska. Speaking of Alaska, well done. Uh, I've seen his name be his linked coach? to oh, a possibility so of yep. a GM, uh, GM role. Yeah. yeah, of course. He's with, uh, with our man Griff. Uh, you guys have talked about this all week long, but there's been an update sort of from uh, the NBA when it comes to Draymond Green and the suspension. We had NBA Executive Vice President and Head of Basketball Operations, Joe Dumars, saying <laughs> Draymond Green's, quote, excessive and over-the-top actions and his history as a repeat offender were instrumental in the league's decision to suspend him for Game 3 of the Warriors' first-round series against the Kings Tonight. So he went on record. They got Joe Dumars out there. He never appears happy to me to be talking about any of this. <laughs> yeah, I don't know. You see the clip. I don't think he wants, to... wants to punish people. Yeah, you know? he doesn't want to. Yeah. He probably was also like, you're sending me to do a press tour on a suspension? Yeah. That's yeah. weird. Yeah. Um, but this is this what... Is these are the, re- the reasons uh, were sort of these three things. Excessive and over the top uh, and the repeat offender. That's what Joe kept saying there. That's what Joe kept saying. Yeah. He was thinking, I played on the bad boys. I wanted to stomp. I wanted to do some stomping myself. Uh, but uh, it is weird to see somebody from the NBA front office talking about this out in the open. It just doesn't <laughs> it doesn't happen a lot. They don't do they don't make these uh, proclamations. But we've talked about. I I do think it's entirely fine to take someone's resume and reputation into account. I think that's totally fine, especially in a situation where there's a foot grab and it's difficult to know without a weight scale how much pressure he was putting on DeMontis Sabonis. So I'm fine with the the one game when it comes down to it. The Warriors have obviously have a tough, tough task tonight. Mm-hmm. I can't wait to see how everybody responds. Dumars also acknowledged that Draymond's behavior in the aftermath of the ejection, where he is taunting and riling up the Kings crowd played a factor. Yeah. I mean, he came on record and said that. Yeah. Like, yeah, the way he reacted after this whole thing goes down doesn't help his case. 
hence the one game, along with, you know, 163, 163 <laughs> career technicals and 17 ejections and all this. Yeah, I, I, it's amazing. I know it's not amazing because it's the playoffs and it's Draymond Green and the defending champion Warriors against the upstart Kings, but it is sort of wild. The guy fucking stomped on a player. Of course he should get a game. It's not that hard. He stomped on him. He didn't need to. To me, that's like it's no different than like if I hold you, which you can you can convince me. Yeah, Sabonis held his leg intentionally. Some say not. Whatever. But if I hold you, your arm on the basketball court, and then you wind up and clock me, be it in the chest, the neck, whatever, then you're going to get the more severe punishment. Yep. That's this was just feet instead of fists. <laughs> well, I think it is different. Right? It is different because the guy was trying to run. Legs are different than arms. He was trying to get run and get back on defense. Uh, He's trying to shake off the hold. Yeah, he tried and to, and the hold was still him. there. There was a stomp, yeah. no doubt. Yeah. He wasn't lying there because his Rugged Ronnie Garvin. Good. Remember him? That was his finishing move, one of his finishing <laughs> moves in the WWE. He would just stomp around a guy. He'd go around his whole body. Come on, <laughs> stomp come on. on That's hand. not a real Yeah, yeah, guy. yeah. Seriously, look it up. It's hilarious. <laughs> what? Yeah. What you, Rugged. Uh, Rugged Ronnie Garvin. <laughs> Rugged Ronnie Garvin. <laughs> he literally Garvin. would stomp around the guy's body on the ground. <laughs> cool. Cool. Uh, Draymond will be doing that. That'll be his finishing move when he's a wrestler. It'll be they pretty were, good, actually. You just reminded me that they were calling David Rowdy, Rowdy, David Rowdy, Roddy. Whatever, it, it, whatever it was exactly, but some sort of rowdy, rowdy, not rugged, pipe, Ronnie Piper reference. Uh, so anyway, yeah, were you shocked that it wasn't that it was Dumars and not Silver maybe doing this, or that it happened at all? This like, well, here I am. Let me tell you of why we suspended him one game. Oh yeah, definitely. You don't usually get a car wash appointment for <laughs> a guy getting suspended, but the. <laughs> The magnitude of the game, the player who it is, the fact that this is a Warriors team who has been the face of the league for the past 10 seasons. Basically, I think understandable why Joe Dumars is out there. I like a a lot of people are like, didn't he used to work for the Kings once upon a time? He did. He also like tutored Draymond Green as a player coming up through the league. So maybe he's the perfect guy to make Mm. make the decisions here. Wow, okay. Detroit connection, nice. So no Draymond, of course, tonight in Game 3. We'll see what happens there in uh, in the Bay. Final piece of news, uh, Adam Silver, he said the NBA's in-season tournament to feature different uniforms, and the finals will be played (laughs) at a neutral site. He said this at the Sports Business Journal's World Congress of Sports Conference, which happened earlier this week, about this upcoming in-season tournament. Yeah, that was a lot of sports in that, I'd wasn't love it? to go to the World the Congress sports of Business Sports. Business Journal's World Congress of Sports Conference. <laughs> you have to be elected? <laughs> uh, Serving my third term on the World Congress of Sports. Uh, but he said that players will be wearing different uniforms. Maybe the court will look different. You'll know it's not just a regular season game. And he said that the final four teams will play at a neutral site. And that additionally, regular season games will also count as cup games, which will run through November. So we're getting like a little bit more details. And there was some, uh, I guess you guys did talk about some some payouts mm-hmm. when it comes to this uh, in-season tournament. Yes. Do you like that? The- 50K for the best loser. Uh, <laughs> those are the payouts. Was it? Yeah. I know you wanted to talk about it. You came back just raring to go talking about the way, I guess that it's going to look different. That's the news, really. Yeah. The, the court's. And the neutral site part. I think I what I'm fascinated by about all this is like the blowback to this concept of the end season tournament. It's like we're just raising the stakes a little bit of games already scheduled. So yeah. how's that? 
How's that bad? I'm not saying it's going to be amazing right away, but how is that bad? It's not. Now, you look, I like all of you. Let's reduce the season. Let's make the games more important and all that. But that is not happening uh, from the Players Association or from the league themselves. There's just too much money and all the, obviously, the broadcasting and all that. So I just don't see the downside in trying to raise the stakes a little bit of games earlier in the year. And just give it a go. Yeah, the games won't be all that different. It yeah. feels like it'll feel like a regular season game. I guess the, the it'll the, look different. It'll look different, which is smart, <laughs> I guess. Um, it just yeah, there's a the gimmicky is turned up a little bit. It feels like the 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 gimmick knob, but you're totally right. It's it's the same. I I maybe am a little too North American sports oriented. I just want to throw an extra word in there because we're talking about the World Sports Congress or whatever. Like nice. maybe maybe I just don't. I just don't. I can't wrap my head around an in-season tournament because I, I'm just a, a major sports kind of guy. But uh, <laughs> I am willing to give them the benefit of the doubt, as Trey brought up yesterday, because of how successful the play-in tournament has been. Mm-hmm. That's that was executed very well. So let's roll. <laughs> this happens next season. Correct? Yeah. Oh yeah. Twenty-three, twenty-four. November, it feels December. Like it's ten years in the future to me still. 23, 24? Yeah, 24. When I see weird. it, I was yeah. like, ah, oh, we'll be flying in Don't cars worry. by that point. <laughs> <laughs> I got a few ideas for this. Okay. Uh, number one, to make it look different, they should play in the uniforms from the new Chris Paul commercial. They call them old school shorts. They're long shorts. That's old school shorts oh, yeah, now. Yeah, the yeah. shorts that come down to your mid shin. So I think go back to the early 2000s. Look, long, long shorts, gigantic jerseys. My other pitch for this, if I were campaigning for the World Congress of Sport, was that we maybe have a player salary max or some kind of tournament game salary cap that gives the highest paid best players in the league a reason to rest these games. If you make over X amount of dollars, you cannot play. You LeBron want- James, you're making $40 million. You're sitting on the bench for this one. Whoa. You got to play your lower paid players everybody under a certain number i don't know what the number is at first i started thinking five million dollars per season a you, 10x you want the best players to not play that's exactly <laughs> what a right swerve. that's exactly right right exactly right i want the best players to not play in this tournament <laughs> and for no one to judge them for it because mm. guess what they're gonna sit some of these games anyways. yeah yeah, yeah and yeah. it will be not a deep not a problem if they have this excuse that they are not allowed to play because putting a salary max means you're playing the players who it matters the most to. Furkan Korkmaz, he makes exactly $5 million a year. I bet he'd like to win $500,000. It's also the most playing time he would get if he were to be able to play in that game, if Embiid, if Harden, if Tobias Harris, all these guys who are higher in the pecking order aren't allowed to play. If you build a championship team, if you're a Lakers, if you are a Milwaukee Bucks, your end of the bench guys are probably not as good. So you're not as competitive in this tournament. But if you're a rebuilding team, if you're the Thunder, you're probably playing a lot of your best players in this. Ergo, the tournament means more to you, and it's just a different stratosphere of games. It feels different, it looks different, and it means more to the players who are out there while giving the best teams in the league a chance to develop their younger players as well. But it'll mean less because the stars aren't out there. It's going to mean less anyways because it's in the middle of the season. Yeah. Well, mean less than what, a regular season game? I, I think the they'll do a, the scheduler will say, you're getting days off before these games, so the stars play. That's what they're going to do as much as possible so they can get all the stars out there. That's what they're going to do, but this is what they should do. I wonder what the uh, ratio for all the the European soccer tournaments is for stars playing because sometimes stars do sit in those games. Um, 
Adam ain't gonna like that. Adam ain't gonna like it. No, no, no. I like this wrinkle though of at least making it appear to be a a different type of event, even if it's just a jersey change, a court change, whatever, uh, whatever's on the floor. And then I guess we'll find out where this neutral site is too. Any guesses where they'll play it? The one with the umlaut. (laughs) 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 They're gonna be playing on the top shelf. At your local stores. Sorry, they're not sponsoring us anymore right now. Where do I think they're going to play at? Las yeah. Vegas. Yeah, probably. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. That'll get the players, the star exactly players to go. Exactly right. Exactly right. Smooth move. Yeah, uh, they'll, they'll definitely, like, they'll, they're will they going to try and make this a, a bigger thing. Like the Commissioner's Cup, for instance, in the, in the WNBA, which is the equivalent yeah. here of the in-season tournament. That's part of the, the new change in the WNBA where chartered flights are going to be Therefore, the play, the playoffs, the regular playoffs, and for this, the Commissioner's Cup Finals. So it's, it's a thing. Like this is going to be a thing, um, in November and December. You made a good point though. Like these, like, and, and I said it when I was doing the intro there. Like these games are not separate outside of like I guess that that potential final. final extra game. But for the most part, the games within this tournament are just regular season games. So it will be weird if like player X is like. Ah, fuck this stupid in-season tournament. I don't care. I don't want to play. It would be the same equivalent of that player saying, Ah, fuck game 13 of the regular season. I don't want to play. Yeah. Okay. Fair. Uh, it's not the most important game of the season, but it is still when you're winning and losing and where you're getting in the playoff and all that. Uh, it matters. So maybe there won't be as much as that. And Silver did say with the international players in this league, it's like nearly like a third or something. It's very, very high, obviously. That they're used to this yeah. with all of the, you know, soccer in-season tournaments. It's Canadians, like, it's not as crazy. Canadians aren't. Well, though. Canadians aren't. College <laughs> basketball does it. They have yeah, like their little yeah. invitationals at the beginning of yeah. the season. You can win the Maui Invitational. Nobody cares. Yeah. But you don't have to wear shoes when you're coaching. <laughs> they can wear sandals? <laughs> yeah, they can wear sandals. They can wear a shirt like this on the sideline. Hold on. Can they really wear sandals? Yeah. Wow. Like, Ma- Maui's very chill, man. That's very dangerous to me. <laughs> wow. Dangerous. Like in a basketball wow. to the toe. You want, want me to pull out my blood <laughs> yeah, toe right no. now? No. Okay, Nobody wants well, that. This Nobody. guy just ran a marathon, and he thinks it's dangerous to coach <laughs> in sandals. <laughs> Somebody can take a ball to the toe, man. All right. Zach, uh, Zach Lowe can coach out there. That's why. That's why. <laughs> Zach Lowe shows up for media day in and his thongs. Wow. Those toes. A.K.A. Wow. Flip-flops. AKA sandals. <gasps> no socks. No. Yeah. Wow. Pants and sandals. That is very unprofessional. Sandal pants, right? <laughs> I, I, Zach Lowe's on the brain because I'm looking at him right now because he's part of the tweet of the night. Okay. Oh, cool. Well, let's take a break, and when we come back, we'll get to that. Don't go anywhere. Spring is the best time to add new challenges to your training just in time for those warm summer days. Pool season's coming soon, so I've been hitting the weights with Peloton and my guy Adrian Williams, trying to get my muscle on in order to expand my cannonball splash radius. Peloton's varying class lengths were designed with your training plan in mind. It's easy to personalize your workout. Whether you'd like to add a 10-minute core session at the end of your strength class or take a 60-minute power zone ride to increase your endurance, Peloton classes are designed to help focus on your needs and goals. There are a variety of classes like boot camps, boxing, full body strength, or marathon training, all created to grow your skills or push you to improve in what you already excel in. And their expert coaches and nonstop vibes will push you to new levels of strength and endurance, keeping you on your toes while giving you the professional coaching you need. Shout out to Adriana Diti, Andy, and Emma. I love you all so much. Whether you prefer to run outdoors, Row or ride at home or strength train at the gym, 
Peloton has everything you need to get you where you're going. Get your head start on summer with Peloton at OnePeloton.com. All right, before we get into our Game 3 previews tonight, let's get to Tweet of the Night. Mm, tweet of the Night. Wow. Tweet, uh. tweet of the Night comes from the great Zach Lowe, as aggregated uh, from friends at Real GM and NBA Central. This is what Zach Lowe said on his podcast. Okay. It's very topical. We're getting to the Warriors and the Kings here. The Warriors apparently feel like DeMontis Sabonis is using the ball as a weapon on offense. That's what Zach Lowe said. Here's his quote. There is some anger within the organization toward the league. There's a sense in the organization that Sabonis is shoving people on offensive rebounds and playing with his elbows out and using the ball as a weapon on offense. End quote. So he's using the ball as a weapon and playing with his elbows out. This is what Sabonis needs to do in Game 3. He needs to come out to this song right here. He's just coming out like this on the floor. Played me out, JD. I had 15 more seconds. It's <laughs> great audio. It's a good song. Yeah, it's going to come out like that. Why not? Why not come out why? to that song? <laughs> <laughs> Let me counter with a why. <laughs> why not? Because it's got bass. It's all about the bass. Also because, just to play into it, you you play the villain. Mm. He's using he's using those elbows as chicken wings. Mm. Mm. I got you, I got you. Yeah, that's it. <laughs> <laughs> that's the whole thing. I think it is it is hilarious that the this is even a story. Um, that he's playing basketball out there. I'm more I'm more invested in the ball as a weapon. <laughs> like, yeah. Just weapon. like throwing a like holding yeah. onto a ball and punching so it around. Yeah. Where where's the video evidence of that? I don't I don't yeah. see the video yeah. evidence of that. Is he is he pushing people with the ball? I actually think Zach's right. I think Sabonis pushes people in the back. I think he plays with his elbows out, and I think he swings the ball around in people's faces, and it's awesome. He's one of the most physical players in the league, and clearly there's been a directive from the NBA heading into the postseason. No holds barred. It has been super physical in these playoffs, in this series, no doubt about it. But I think in every series, in general, offensive rebounding, you can get away with anything underneath the hoop Mm -hmm. right now. People are throwing bodies left and right. It's just that Draymond is the guy who got the most upset about it, stomped on a player, and got suspended for it. But you're seeing this kind of stuff in every single game. Sabonis yeah. is just being unleashed because he's one of the more physical players in the league. He's playing basketball, baby. Yeah, uh, Kevon Looney was asked about it. The guy who's taking those bows, who's, who's playing underneath. He did. He didn't even didn't even bat an eye. He said, uh, "Yeah, there's there's pushing, there's shoving, there's yeah. grabbing. Yeah. It's there's big men playing basketball, and they want to win." And he said, "I hope it continues, and I like it." <laughs> and that's it. I mean, that's the end of it. The ball, the ball's weapon is is a funny movie Term. scene idea. <laughs> yeah, like yeah, just the guy who just you know, walks down the floor 
in the lane and just drops people. Like, I legally can't do that, right? Like, if Trey's guarding me <laughs> and I've picked up the ball, I can't, I can't, or can I? Like, literally use the ball as a weapon and just sort of punch Trey in the face with the ball while holding <laughs> on to it. I don't think so. It's unsportsmanlike. I would assume. That's a tech. Right, but I think what they mean is, like, you push up on me, yeah. he's going, like, yeah, 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 elbows yeah, yeah, out, yeah. ball as yeah. a weapon, same thing to me. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Okay. But you can't you can't just bop somebody in the nose. This sounds like a team just to. whining about everything. Yes. Down 2-0. That's what I yeah. read into this. Yeah. Oh, the they can win tonight, though. You, you, I wouldn't you, count them you out. Either say, you either say, this is taking up a notch. You either, usually it's, hey, they're getting the foul calls, which there's been a little bit of that out there. Um, the Kings are getting the foul calls, which... Both teams. Listen, the Kings fans have been amazing, and so they've had a couple calls go their way. There have been bad calls against them as well. Yeah. But this is taking up a notch. Mr. Man is using elbows, and the ball <laughs> has a weapon. That's what he does. He, he plays, but he has gotten hit a lot. He's just gotten up every single time. This is great. Three game threes tonight. Sixers, Nets, 7.30 p.m. Eastern on TNT. Philly leads us 1-2-0. Uh, been in control for most of this series. Then we have Kings Warriors at 10. That's the second game on TNT. Sacramento up 2-0. Feels like a must win for the Golden State Warriors here, despite no Draymond Green. And then Suns Clippers. You're going to be looking at it in a little score bug up in the top right-hand corner if you're watching Kings Warriors. That mm. one gets started at 10.30 on NBA TV. That one tied at one game apiece. And just about the officiating thing, I've noticed, Trey, you were talking about how they have been letting them be pretty physical. I, I would agree with that, especially in first halves. Yes. There was a lot of physical play, and, like, they swallowed the whistle a lot. And then sometimes, probably to the frustrations of teams and coaches, the whistle changes in some of these games in the second half, and suddenly it's like, all that crap you were letting us get away with in the first half, you're suddenly calling, which would be frustrating because you want it to be consistent. But, yeah, I just noticed in first halves, a lot of the games, a lot of the series, go at it, boys. (laughs) (laughs) Smack away, boys. Be all the rugged Ronnie Garvins you want. Canadian. By the way, I didn't know that. He beat Greg the Hammer Valentine, probably for an intercontinental, yeah, maybe. Like an intercontinental yeah, I don't think he was yeah. around long. Two years, maybe tops. <laughs> I think he had yellow tights. Very boring. Can't believe you went with rugged Ronnie Garvin over Seth freaking Rollins. <laughs> I guess he does. The, he does the yeah. one head. No, but well, you're gonna laugh when you see this clip of what he does. <laughs> you're gonna be like, "That's one of his finishing moves." <laughs> like I'm telling you, the guy's laying like this on the ground, and then rugged Ronnie Garvin would like stomp on a hand, stomp on a shoulder. <laughs> Stomp on like a little head and then literally go around like stomp on a knee. Like every body part he was targeting. Sounds like a meme. <laughs> Sounds like a potential meme you can create. <laughs> potential meme is in play, guys. Uh, so any anything, which game I guess are you most excited about tonight here with these, these game threes? Well, I guess Warriors King is going to finally keep me up for a late game. Got no choice. Game mm-hmm. three, this is too much. This is playoff mode activated. This is uh, exciting stuff. I want to see how the Warriors handle not having Draymond Green out there being so thin up front. They tried their bench many, many times. Is this the time that they would want James Wiseman out there? No, I'm just kidding. Uh, but they have enough. They have bodies. I just can't wait to see. They This is this is their backs against the wall. This is the champs against the wall. So. You believe this is their season here on the line, the Warriors? Yeah. They're not I'm coming not, back from 3-0. I, know, I, yeah, yeah. I don't think so. Well, I lock that in pretty confidently. No way. Yeah. And they could win. win game. Yeah. Somebody's going to do it one day. I don't know if it's going to be this year. No, the Kings. The, I, I'm interested to see if the Kings keep up 
what they've done the first two games. They've fought with tenacity. And the Warriors were yeah. doing the same. It's not like the Warriors were holding anything back. No, the Warriors, no. in that at the end of the first quarter of Game 2, Steve Kerr was pulling out every single move to get every little extra possession. There's 30 seconds left. Wiggins goes and presses in the backcourt. And then all three of their guys pressed up on the next possession right up to half court. And the substitutions happening left and right on, on both sides throughout the game. More substitutions than Karen in a Starbucks line. It's happening throughout the, the entire first couple games. They're not they're not waiting for anything. So Kurt knows that this team is on the ropes. But will the Kings play the same way on the road right. with the same tenacity for two games? We'll see. Yeah, massive test for the Kings. The Warriors are, what, 33-8? and eight? at home playing a must-win game so this should be awesome and i guess it'll be interesting to see who gets the start for draymond green kuminga yeah. jonathan kuminga you maybe, think maybe. could be moody could be moody moody was good on the glass uh i don't know maybe kuminga just let him chase fox around for a little bit he'd pick up a ton of fouls but i suppose that's something that could happen i think for the warriors to win they need jordan Poole to finally wake up play a decent game he's been outplayed by malik monk so far in this series and Poole is just such a volatile player. Unfortunately for the Warriors thus far, it's gone the wrong way basically every single game, so they need him to step up. And it's going to be really interesting to see if, like Mike Brown said, the Kings can continue to play with the two Ps. What do you think the two Ps are? (laughs) Pace. 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 Power? No power. Close, though. Physicality. Physicality. Oh. I know. What a curveball. A real curveball. Physicality. Yeah. <laughs> I only got that because my real name's Phil. That's the only reason. There's no way I would have got that. That's a great call. There's no way I would have no got that. Uh, yeah. Unfortunately, when we were tracking you for the Boston Marathon, secrets revealed. People were like, no. Oh, secrets revealed. 16, 17 years in. Well, speaking of Phil, Adelphia. Nice. Something nice. to watch tonight is if James Harden will actually take a free throw. He hasn't taken one. Hasn't taken a free oh. throw in 75 minutes yet. Wow. And two for two. <laughs> yeah. It hasn't mattered because yeah. they're playing against the Nets. Yeah. It will matter going forward. Harden right now is two for 13 inside the arc. Like I said, he hasn't taken a free throw yet. He, I thought he looked fast in game one. He didn't do much in game two, period. Uh, but maybe the burst isn't totally there if you're a Sixers fan, you'll want to see it return a little before they go up against the stronger matchup in the Celtics the next round. Yeah, that's true. And I just like, for the sake of this series, the sixers net series, which everybody believes Philadelphia is going to win uh, ultimately, but win that game three, Brooklyn, right? To at least, at least convince ourselves, oh, maybe there is a series here. That very important game four on the weekend. Ooh, that's must watch. Otherwise, you know, it goes up. They go down 3-0. And it's like, now we're just looking at either a gentleman sweep, which is just a waste of everybody's time, uh, or an actual sweep. And they just wrap it up very quickly. So I hope the Nets, like, give their best effort here tonight. And can beat them. I truly believe can take one game. Though Philly hasn't played all that amazing either. They haven't played great. And they like yet. just they just have to turn it on for like a good eight minute stretch. Yeah, and it that's feels like the enough. problem. <laughs> we will see. And we haven't even talked about two friggin' best of Suns play- clubs. Yeah, Suns clubs and two yeah. of the best ever. Um, Kawhi going home, who has been the best player in the series so far, averaging thirty four and a half through the first two games. Can he just you know, will his guys to play with him for four quarters? They've been playing great. They had the lead in the fourth, of, even of the loss. So. Mm-hmm. Yeah, they got to feel ridiculously confident going home. Hopefully we get some classics tonight. We'll be back tomorrow here for a drop podcast 
from the No Dunks Classic Factory live at 10 a.m. Eastern. Join us then. Thanks to everybody for joining us live on YouTube. Hit that like button. Make sure you subscribe. Tell your friends. If you're a Survivor fan, coming up in mere hours live at 1 p.m. Eastern over at No Buffs. We'll be talking about last night's Survivor podcast, which I watched at 6 a.m. this morning. Ooh, morning watch. <laughs> All possessions. Very weird. Weird <laughs> to have Jeff Probst yelling at you while you're trying to sip your coffee. Uh, Jeff Probst was actually a clue in the New York Times crossword puzzle yesterday. Really? Four letters. Survivor host Probst. Uh, <laughs> well, <laughs> pretty, pretty straightforward. Pretty easy. You watch the show. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> All right, guys. Thanks for joining us here today. We'll see you either later today for that Survivor podcast or tomorrow morning for the drop. Till then, Clipper Bros. You heard it here first. Have a great time. Turn up. Love you guys. Awesome. Thanks for joining us. And remember, if you learn from your missed stomps, I mean missteps, that's all anyone can ask of you. Brace the day, people. <laughs>